0: This week's show. First off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Devon Harris. He is one of the original members of the 1988 uh, Jamaican bobsleigh team and captain of the 92 and 98 teams. Three-time Olympian Devon achieved his grand dream. His current dream is to inspire others to achieve theirs, tapping in the energy and determination and skills that enables him to bobsleigh with the best in the world. Devin, as an inspirational, motivational keynote speaker, is now sparking audiences all, of all ages to dream and take their game to the next level. So welcome to the show, Devin.
1: Hey James, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate being here.
0: So before we delve into the, to today's topic, uh, Devon, can you talk us back, obviously, going back to your early days in, in Jamaica, obviously, to get into the heights of becoming a free-time Olympian?
1: Yeah, sure. I um, uh, you know, grew up, was born and raised in Kingston. Uh, interestingly enough, a, a place called Olympic Gardens. It seemed like I was destined to become an Olympian. It turns out, though, uh, under the historical context, Um, I think the first Olympian from that neighborhood was, was Arthur Wint. Um, um, Olympic Gardens, I think, took its name from that that, that quartet that, 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 that competed in the four by four, that, that amazing 400, 400 meter carder that we had with Wint, um, Roden, um, McKinley, and I'm, and I'm missing one. Um, Arthur Wint, George Roden, um, Herb McKinley and uh, oh my god. I just drew a blank. But in in any event. Um um I think that's how my neighborhood got got its name. And um eventually we we had a guy, Mike McCallum, who was a boxer. I think he competed in in um nineteen eighty four um as a boxer. I think he was a middleweight and he ended up become a really good professional, the body snatcher, they called him. And, and then there was myself, and then, of course, now there's Shelley and Fraser Price. Um, <clears throat> so um, Olympic Ganzo, when I was growing up back in the, in the um, uh, late 70s, 80s, was a really rough neighborhood, very violent, impoverished. Um, and so that's kind of the environment I grew up in. Uh, you know, my big dream was to become an, an army officer. That was a, the biggest thing. That drove me back then. And I did, you know, I, I ran a uh, track. I was uh, 800 and 1500 meters. So now here it is. As, as I'm a kid growing up in Jamaica, um, the sprint capital of the world. I mean, we, we are more so now than then. Um, but, you know, that sprinting was our forte. And my idol was Sebastian Coe uh, because he was at the time the, the best, you know, 800 and 1500 meter runner in the world, in my mind, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so after high school, uh, you know, I, I enlisted in the Jamaica Defense Force, uh, you know, made my way to Sandhurst and and got my officer training in, became an officer. Got back to Jamaica, and this is about 1987 now, and um, thinking, wow, the Olympics are coming up in Seoul. 1988, maybe I can if I start running again, and yeah, I, get, I could get fit enough to qualify for the Olympics. And here we are, talk, me talking to you as a three-time Olympian, winter Olympian.
0: Well, we touched upon it off-air about obviously the similarities. Obviously, my generation, obviously growing up, well, I was born only two years prior to you competing in, in Calgary. <laughs> I, I obviously know of the 88s, bobsled team because of cool runnings but we touch upon it they kind of well based it they say they base it on a true story but you don't say you don't you say it's a little bit fictional in some cases can you explain it how far away from the truth they actually went
1: yeah so you know i mentioned earlier that uh you know when the credits are rolling it says um based on the true story of the jamaica bobsled team or something that effect and there are two words that are missing very loosely it should say very loosely based on the true story so so here are the facts James there was a bob said team from jamaica we had problem finding funding we competed in calgary and we crashed that's it i mean everything else that they either made up or they stretched the truth to make it funny so but but it was
0: entertaining but do you think it's Maybe it's elevated bobsleigh in a way to maybe a little bit more importance that people of you could say in an essence. Obviously, the the summer games obviously gets more publicity than the winter game. Mm -hmm. Do you think that film has maybe helped elevate the winter games a little bit more because of the film? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, I might be wrong. I you know, I don't know this for for sure, but I think ours was the first movie about the Winter Games. You know, and then came the miracle of eighty four a few years ago, and then Eddie Eddie the Eagles movie. So so for sure, or you know, Cool Runnings elevated the Winter Games, it elevated Bob Studding. We're definitely the only movie about uh, Olympic bobsledding, and it has certainly given us, it has immortalized us in a, in a way that we never could have imagined, you know, when we competed back in '88.
0: Well, you could say it's, an, it's, it's inspired uh, obviously the future generation to be it, want to go either side of it, winter or summer. It's, it's probably okay, I didn't aspire to make it to the Paralympics, but obviously, that's a film. Oh, I think it would have come out in the mid to late 90s. So that would be filmed. like really? what kind of gives you that determination to, you can be that underdog and you can, okay. You didn't in the film, obviously in, in true life, you didn't go to the, you know, like the, that fairytale story going from nothing to winning. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's probably unrealistic in a sporting sense. Okay. A film might be able to do it, but it kind of says, well, the underdog, can make it if they put that work ethic in
1: no absolutely I, I think the the film is you know I, I have no issues with it not being you know truly true to life uh, I have no issues with it being a comedy because uh, it's still the, the kind of uh, film I would enjoy watching it's a It's a human interest story with some really powerful positive messages, and so what what I find is and I've met people from all over the world over the years who um, many of them are not even athletes, but they have been inspired by the movie because what it's saying uh, to them, and you're absolutely right, is that, I mean, there are underdogs that exist outside of the sporting arena as well. Uh, And many people who have these dormant dreams um, that they were just afraid to go after because it just seemed so impossible. And now they see these four guys from Jamaica, truly pursuing an impossible dream. And no, we did not win the the, the the Olympic medal, the gold medal, but we certainly gave it a good run and and made tremendous progress. And so people are looking at that and going, wow, oh, if they can do it, maybe I can do this in this area of my life as well, you know, and, and who knows where that could reach. Uh, but, but at the same time, I have met athletes who um, – Ended up in bobsledding because of cool running. So, so it, it's, it's um,
0: been a, a positive influence all around. But, Devin, do you think because you, you overcome that adversity, and we talked about that obviously off air, of it was kind of Jamaica was, I won't say a laughing stock, but it wasn't, you weren't taken seriously to start with. But by obviously doing it, do you think that elevated that respect? and you put on level footing. Well,
1: that, and that's true, not just for us and our experience in setting back in 88. It, it's true for um, anyone who is trying something that is kind of out of the box. You know, people are going to laugh. It's, it's just human nature, I think. We, 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 I was about to say we're not designed to think out of the box, but well, that's not true. We are designed to think out of the box. We have allowed ourselves to be conditioned to, to have a, a fixed mindset, um, as, as it were. And so when you, when one decides that, hey, you know, I'm going to um, embrace this other side of me that says, well, the possibilities are endless, um, people seem to have a, their, their natural reaction seem to be, oh, no, that's impossible, that doesn't make sense, it can't work. Um, you know, you must be stupid or, or, or whatever it is. And um, we, we all come across, uh, you know, those kinds of reactions throughout our lives. And it's those people, those of us who decide, uh, despite the fact that it is, you know, a pretty tall order, you know, and, and it doesn't help that people are telling you it can't happen. Um, when you go out and and strive and and you keep on pushing, um, nonetheless, uh, it's it's kind of when you go wow, you know you sometimes surprise yourself, but you're definitely um, encouraging yourself and 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 becoming uh, more emotional resilient to to take on
0: bigger challenges. But also, we did touch upon like off air about between the Pushcart Derbies that is synonymous with Jamaica and the bobsleigh obviously you were saying for people to want to do either sport there must be something wrong with them upstairs or a bit cuckoo what what do you think that is and what kind of pushed you towards wanting to do that because obviously you said you wouldn't want to do the push derby anyway
1: oh no that's crazy why would i do
0: that <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no you know what i i have never done push cut derby. we have no interest in doing it um there there are some similarities between pushcart or push cart and bobsledding. You know, two crazy guys going on the side of a mountain um, uh, um, and it's dangerous. Uh, that's probably where the similarities end because uh, bobsled drivers in the front of the sled, a push cart, drivers at the back of the cart, you know, um, they don't go nearly as fast as we go, that kind of stuff. Um for me, though, uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I joke around, uh, you know, about not wanting to do pushcart, push cart, but, and, but is definitely more dangerous. And, and the reason why I, I do setting is it's really for, uh, you know, a higher purpose, if you will. I'm getting a chance to, to represent my country, man. Um, uh, you know, and I didn't, I've always wanted, obviously, to represent my country. That's why I had dreams of competing in 800 and 1500 meters of the Olympics. I never dreamt that I'd become a, a Jamaican bobsteller. Um, and I don't know that when the idea of the team came about that I was going, Wow, this is you know, this is going to end up with us having this conversation. It was, wow, here's an opportunity, albeit a different one, but here's an opportunity for me to to live the dream, to realize the dream of competing. Mm-hmm and representing my country at the Olympic Games. Um, if I had to take a bobsled to do it, yeah, why not?
0: But let me ask you this question then, Devin. If you had to choose between competing in the 800 or the 1500 in the Summer Games or competing in the bobsleigh, and obviously what fame that has brought at the back of it, would you still choose the life that's obviously been put in front of you?
1: Yes, because it's so different and so unique and uh, i i have a chance to make a much bigger impact on the world outside of myself as opposed to you know had i gone to um la uh, and and our soul and and won the 800 or, and or the 1500 yeah it, it would be remarkable but that's where the story would have ended uh, i don't know that people we would have inspired as many people as we have inspired over the years around the world, as, we, as our story has done,
0: as Bob said it. Do you think it's because it's that term we say, because it was you, you would associate Jamaica with the track and field, and is it because it's that, we could say, quote-unquote abnormal event to do something within the winter, winter games because Jamaica is synonymous with the sunshine?
1: Yeah, it, it it is exactly that. It is so out of the box. Um, it again seems so impossible, and and the the thing I think that resonates with people the most is the fact that it is it seems so impossible, but we went after it, and it reminded them of the dreams that they didn't go after or were shy about going after because it seems so impossible. And they're like, wow, if these guys can do that, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, you know, so out of the realm to expect a guy, um, as much as we are the sprint captain of the world, to go to the Olympics and go, say, win an 800-meter race. And that's maybe different, but it's not that far a stretch. To go box now, that's a stretch,
0: and that's more inspiring. But would you not say the Jamaicans, from even though the, you're competing on ice, would you not have that pedigree of having the fastest starts, so to speak, because you have that that brand coming yeah, from that, the that, other side?
1: That, that's only half of the race. <laughs> that's a challenge, you know. I mean, if you look at our 88 performance, you know, although we had just started in the, in the sport, you know, months prior, and in fact, um, the foreman. Event that the Olympics were our very first race. We had never raced four man before. You know, Chris Stokes, that was his first week in the sport, and that's what I said earlier, yeah, that that in a, in, a, in a way the the true story was even more remarkable than than you see in the film. But if people put that in the film, people you'll go, come on, that's corny. That doesn't make sense. One three days, but that's home. Uh, much time Chris had to train. You know, so th- the years of training and honing our athletic skills in Jamaica, um, we were able to take that and translate it into a really good start. But we had not spent the time needed, necessary, to learn how to drive the sled. So, yeah, we, I mean, coming off the hill with the fastest start or, in our case, in Calgary, the seventh fastest start, Um, was awesome, but then we know how the story ends.
0: But that story they they bring up in the the actual film with the four guys in the bathtub, is there any truth to that in Slang at Mm -hmm. all? Or is that just (laughs) absolutely farcical?
1: That's just Hollywood, man, trying to be entertaining. I mean, I I don't even know what the point would be to be sitting in a bathtub turning left and right. You go look on the track. Oh, yeah, this one goes left, this one goes right. Okay, cool. Memorise that. And you're good.
0: Well, I can, I can see where you're coming from in terms of that. But do you think it was maybe too, and we touched upon it earlier, to look at the laid-back approach of Jamaicans and kind of exaggerate it even further?
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, that was Hollywood at its best trying to be entertaining. Um, you know, it, it was it was a comedy. I mean, I, I guess the lesson, um, if I could be charitable, is that the fact that, you know, the, in the move, the guys are are pulling out all stops to learn this thing and to work as a team. And so that's why you're seeing there, them going really above and beyond and still, you know, work, learning to work as a team to achieve this goal, this particular goal.
0: And if we kind of move to like the modern day now, Devin... With Jamaica, obviously, you don't have access to track time in, in Jamaica. Where where are some of the places that you've got to obviously travel to? I, I, I would assume probably the US or Canada.
1: Yeah, so the last, uh, you know, I've since 2014 kind of assumed um, the, the role of developing the next generation of Jamaican sellers and we've actually spent our time in, in North America. So there are four tracks here. Lake Placid, New York, um, Park City, Utah, um, and then in in Canada we have Calgary and and Whistler in British Columbia. So we we have spent yeah in 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 the summer you you spend your time in Jamaica training and then come autumn into winter you are here in North America
0: traveling around and racing. So so would you say there a disadvantage a bit like oh, we could probably put on the likes of say the the British team as well. You, you're on, a back, on the back foot from the off because you don't have the track time of, say, the US, Canada, phew, the, the teams in Europe, say, Switzerland, no. Germany, and uh, et cetera. Do you think that's the case straight away?
1: I mean, in one sense, yes, because it, it, it would would have been helpful. But look, there, there are tons of teams in the sport um, without chance. If you think about it, when we got in the sport, The U.S. had only one. Um, Canada had just gotten theirs in Calgary. France didn't have one. Norway didn't have one. Japan didn't have one. You know, there are a bunch of other countries still don't have. Um, So so we we don't see, while it is a disadvantage in the sense that you don't have a home track to get extra ice time on, you know, it's just one, one of the things that, well, the hands that you have been dealt with, so you you work with it. And since the tracks won't come to you, you just go to the tracks.
0: But then you can say, on the flip side of that, not one, no one, no one track is the same anyway.
1: This is true as well. I mean, uh, you know, all the tracks are very different. Although, you know, just being able to go down a bobsled track and, um, and and hone the skills of um, maneuvering the sled. Um, you know, is a tremendous help no matter which track you're driving on. But yes, um, to be a complete bobsled driver, to be a, a world champion, you you, you kind of have to learn and to win the World Cup circuit, learn how to drive these different tracks.
0: And if we kind of move on to what you do now as a professional keynote speaker, how did that come about? Obviously, going from being an athlete.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a really good question. Thanks for that. Um, it, back in 96, actually, I was um, uh, you know, working towards competing in the Nagano Olympics, and, and I met a guy who wanted to be my agent. And um, and he taught a really good game, and he was like, if I were an agent, I'd have you to do this and that and, and the other. And I'd never had an agent before, so it sounded kind of nice. Um, uh, and, but then one of the things that he introduced to me, one of the ideas he introduced was this, idea of being a motivational speaker. And believe me, um, I don't know why, but I never knew that such a thing existed in 1996. And, and I said to him, you know, that sounds good. I'd, I'd love to do that, but after the Olympics. And it turned out that the, his only purpose in my life was to tell me about motivational speaking because he never did anything to help me to get to the Olympics, And, um, you know, I went to the Olympics, but he had planted the seed. And long story short, I I just came back and started speaking for free at, you know, schools and Rotary clubs and, you know, wherever people would listen. And it has kind of grown from that to us here having this conversation now.
0: Well, I think for me personally, it's kind of when I touch bases with you on Twitter, it's like, okay, this is the story that I've grown up with. -hmm. But we get to actually meet the actual real person that's lived it. So I think for me, that's—I won't say it's a dream come true, but it's kind of—it's kind of what inspired you as a youngster. You get to actually speak to the actual person behind it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, and one of the reasons why I'm I'm grateful for um, Mm -hmm. for the movie as well because it allows you know someone like you and people who are obviously much younger than you to know the story or know the basis of the story. And and then, you know, I get to go into their companies and tell the true story, uh, but but in a way that inspires and, and motivates them to go pursue their dreams because, as I said earlier, the, the true
0: story is even more remarkable. But I think they should maybe make a remake and, and kind of be a bit more truthful in terms of, because I think... You could say, if you took, we touched upon Eddie the Eagles one. Mm-hmm. Well, you would say you guys achieved a little bit more than he did, and and in the well, in the UK, he was probably a laughing stock in terms of well, how can you make it to the Olympics? I think maybe it is the essence of what the Olympics is about: is that it doesn't matter where you come from; it's you are the best of your country, so why not compete? And I think maybe they've kind of gone away from that with making qualifying times. You have to meet a minimum criteria to enter. Well, it's like, well, that's a limiting factor for a lot of countries because they don't have the facilities.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. And I feel, I, you know, I remember, um, you know, Eddie didn't compete in 92 because as, as far as I know, the British Olympic Committee didn't didn't allow him to compete, which which saddened me because... You're absolutely right. The Olympics are not just about the people who can win medals or contend for medals. You know, the, it was um, uh, founded by Pierre de Coubertin uh, on the ideas mm-hmm. that it's, it's not about winning, but it's about competing. It's about showing up. And so, therefore, we, um, you know, we're talking about having people uh, you, you know, if you can't win, if you can't guarantee yourself a, a top 10 finish, then you can't go to the Olympics. Uh, it's it's uh, it saddens me because that's not what the
0: Olympics are about. Oh, but you can't guarantee anything in sports.
1: <laughs> exactly. You can't guarantee anything in life. and But, but uh, you know, I, I, I fear that some of these governing bodies are demanding uh, that kind of guarantee to, to in order to allow.
0: Um, the athletes to compete in the Olympic Games, but you got to give some people some scope in an essence. Because with any sport, be it I don't know anything with those fine margins of things going right or wrong, somebody can have an awful day and they're expected to win, and if and you could be on on the periphery of that and. Come out of nowhere, so you can't predict that's going to happen. So it, it's a difficult one. I'll, I can kind of see it from their point of view in some instances, but on the other hand, that person might come out of their skin, so to speak.
1: Yeah, well, let's go back to the ego um, situation, for example. Okay, yeah, maybe even our uh, situation as well, where you know one could reasonably assume, given the level of experience and exposure and funding and training and so on, it's not likely that we're going to win. But if we are able to qualify for the Olympics anyway, based on these standards, I don't see a reason why we or anybody else in those in that position shouldn't compete. Um, for
0: you, we use your story, Devon. If you guys hadn't competed, the sport might not be where it is today.
1: And, yeah, and people have been inspired the way they're inspired mm-hmm. to even, um, you know, be competing for some of the the, the stronger nations, as, as we mentioned before. You know, and so uh, it, that's how I see that if the, the Olympics, we, everybody wants to see the winner, yes, and you enjoy that. Um, but the reason why our story has such longevity is because the average person... Uh, um, is better able to relate to our story, you know. That they, they—it's—it's it's hard for them to see themselves as the Germans or, or the Americans or the Swiss or the Usain Bolts of the world. I mean, they are just phenomenal and they're in another world by themselves. But, but you know, the eel from wherever in Africa is from, you know, people can go, wow, you know, I can relate to him. I may not be blessed with this tremendous athletic talent, but. He's showing tremendous courage, stepping out in the arena. You know, so if I can harness that, whatever it is, and step out in my career or my business, maybe I can um, achieve some uh, significant success as well. And that's what people are—I think—people are missing.
0: Well, I think it goes even deeper than that in terms of stepping into that arena. You're, you're overcoming the stresses anxiety that what that could bring with it from being a sports person okay maybe and i don't want to put words into your mouth you, you, because you're not expected to do that well it maybe takes the pressure off but i don't know if that was the case
1: no because uh, you're not you're not i'm speaking for myself uh you know you're there to try and win it, it might it, i mean the steep might the, the hill might be at uh, the steep but you're not there, I assure you, to to just, uh, you know, compete and be there uh, to entertain. You know, you're, you're there to give up your absolute best, man, and then let the chips fall where they may.
0: I think I use a good quote in terms of somebody asked me, what's it like to represent your country? I think you, you, you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for, you, for your family, your town. And, and I probably didn't put it in the right words, I said you're doing it for them and yourself, but I think you don't want to let them down or yourself because you are, in all essence, putting your town on the map.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're representing the country. That's why you're there first and foremost. But, but yeah, you're you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your family. You're doing it for your for your community. And you know, when all is said and done and you're done with all the television interviews, you you, you have to go home. You have to to go home. You have to face your family and your friends and your neighbors, you know, and um, they're going to uh, bring judgment, you know, win, lose or draw. Uh, I think more importantly, they're going to look at you and go, well, did you try hard enough? Did you do your best? And, And I think uh, no, no matter what, win, lose, or draw, the, the question is: Did you give your all? Did you strive for excellence? Did you, did you do your best? And if, yeah, you know, sometimes your best isn't good enough, and that's why I didn't win. We understand that. But if, in the moment, that's all you have, and you gave it all, that's all you can ask for. <laughs>
0: And Devin, is do do you think it was because of that crash in '88 that you came back for the next two, or was it that determination and drive you had as an athlete anyway?
1: That reinforced the drive and the and the and, and the resolve to come back for sure. But but it was unfinished business. We, um, you know, we 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 took on this task in '88, and I, I guess had some unrealistic uh, aims, thinking that we could take this thing up in and, and in four months, you know, you know, be contending for a medal. Sure, at the start, you know, we had really good start times. But that's from the years of work prior in, in athletics that took us there. And so when we crashed, it was like, whoa, you know, this can't be the end of the story. We definitely need to come back. And so and that's what took me back to in, in ninety eight as well. I mean, there are other issues that you have to deal with you know, especially the lack of funding that kind of um really challenge the, the way you can prepare um
0: but but the heart was there and we, so we came back and did everything we could so talk to me about the mindset obviously going from 92 to 98 because obviously they did it so the summer games and the winter games were separate but what does that actually do to an, a winter Olympian's mindset going from a four-year cycle to a six-year cycle
1: Oh, so, um, well, for me, the, the, actually, in, in the, with the Winter Olympics, that went from 92 to 94. And then it went into a four-year cycle. Um, and I had just left, uh, retired from the, the Jamaica Defense Force and moved to New York. I was trying to get myself settled in. So I didn't, um, I didn't get a chance to, um, to compete in, in 94. Because I was settling in, Uh, so the the mindset remains the same in terms of hey, this this is what need this is the end goal. We know when the Olympics are, you know this date in '98, and you work backwards. You 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 have some um, some knowledge and experience from the prior two Olympic games as to kind of what you need to do to train, and and so the the challenge is now trying to put all of those pieces in place. Which can, be, which, which can be challenging, which was challenging for me, actually, trying to get into, uh, into the Nagano Olympics. Um, but that's, that, that's kind of your focus. These are the things I need to do um, every day. These are the things I can control. Uh, let me control them. Let me, make, let me get up. Let me go to the gym. Let me work out. Let me go to the track. Let me make the phone calls to try and get the funding. These things you can control. Um, is it frustrating at times when you're making all of that effort and you're not seeing the results? Absolutely. And that was the case for me. But in the end, um, you know, I got, I, I got the sponsorship and I competed in the Olympics. I qualified, um, you know, much higher standard than existed in 88 to qualify, but I did it. And so here I am, a three-time Olympian.
0: Well, I I think that's to be commended in terms of having that gap and then still wanting to to continue on with that drive. But kind of going forward now and kind of looking towards the future, Devon. obviously as a personal – I can't speak – motivational speaker and also in charge of the Jamaican bobsleigh team, what are kind of the outlooks you have for, say, maybe the next five to ten years?
1: Um, certainly, in terms of the team, you know, we're, you know, we're starting over from scratch. You know, we we had a, a team in in Sochi, and 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 then those guys retired, so so we started over from scratch, and and so it's a it's a building process. It's been a slow process, and I understand that. You know, we're uh, pushing hard to get, uh, you know, what I'm going to call competitive results now, but knowing that it's a, it's, it's a process. And, and so you're, you're absolutely right asking about the, the next five years because I've, I've always said, in terms of the team, I think in two Olympic cycles. And so um, as we work to get into the Korean Olympics uh, next year, yes, I have to think about the next Olympic Games in, in, in China in five years, where we hope who would have built not just on the last three and a half years and the and the experience in, um, in Korea, but be getting ourselves to you know hopefully be uh, legitimate medal contenders by by um, 2022. Um, and in my speaking, man, it's 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 a similar thing where you, you know uh, my 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 mantras keep on pushing. Uh, and so yeah you, you know as i i work to um get better at my craft at uh, uh, being on stage and really inspiring people touching them and um and engaging them in a way that's going to inspire them and let, allow them to feel motivated to go pursue their own dreams um you know i also have to look on the business side of it as well and you know how i'm going to uh to grow that um so i can be more effective as a speaker and as a businessman.
0: And my last question, Devin, before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize what we've talked about into one sentence, what would that be for people to take away?
1: Mm. Um, uh, I would say, you know, your your mindset um, impacts how you think and, and hence the results you get, uh, which obviously reinforces your belief system, uh, your mindset, and how you think. And so, um, I would want to—it's more than a sentence now—but what want to encourage people to embrace this—the um, success mindset. Understand that you were, uh, none of us were designed for for mediocrity, um, you know. But that our potential is limitless, and so if you can embrace a success mindset that would allow you to think outside of the box and, um, and really push, uh, push yourself. It will broaden your belief, um, strengthen your belief, give you better results, which only creates this upward
0: spiral in our lives. I love that little mantra that you shared. with. So Devin, once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. Yeah, thank,
1: thanks for having, uh, having me, almost said us. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was great to be hanging out with you.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure for having you on. And obviously, like I said in the episode, it's good to actually get the person that you see on the movie screen and actually speak to them in real life.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's great to be here. Thank you.
0: And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in the future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.
1: Thank <laughs> you.